Here we go. It's Bible Study Wednesday on Law and Gospel on this December the 7th in the year of our Lord, 2022. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and we're going to be taking a look at Proverbs chapter 16, beginning with verse 8. Uh, before I indicate, though, what the Bible study is going to be about, we do appreciate any contributions you give to law and gospel. The information is at the end of the program. And for this coming year, the end of the year, we're short about $8,200. So in order to meet our bills, we would sure appreciate any funds you might be able to give us. And that's at $8,200. Listen to the end of the program as to how you might be able to send a check for that or any amount. Well, let's get on to Proverbs chapter 16, verse 8. This section of Proverbs is very interesting because up to now, Solomon has been talking to his son. Then he talks to the nation. Now he's talking, going to be talking about in this section about kings and rulers of the nation. So he begins once more with a distinction between the believer and the unbeliever. Verse 8 says, Better is a little with righteousness than great revenues with injustice. Now, remember, the goal of a pastor is not only to help you with the Hebrew, the Greek, and the Aramaic, but also to translate the English. What is Solomon saying? Better is a little with righteousness than great revenues with injustice. What he is saying is, you may not be the richest person in the world, but you're far off better if you have the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Jesus is our righteousness. And therefore, with that righteousness, even a little is sufficient. In contrast to having a large income, but that's come about through injustice. Now, in the days after Solomon, Israel began to worship other gods, and then they began to cheat farmers. We're going to talk a little bit more about that in how they balance things out. But they had false balances. So a farmer could bring in, let's say, 10 pounds of wheat, but the scale only measured 9.5 pounds. So he was short-shrifted on the money he should have been getting. And that's because people with injustice were getting great revenues. And God is simply saying, from my point of view, it's better to have just a little if you are righteous than to have great income because of your injustice. Now, this doesn't mean that a Christian cannot be very rich. No, there are Christians who are billionaires, but they use their money for the sake of 
helping other people in the pro-life movement, in other things that they donate their charity to. So God is simply making the point, you may have a little, but if you are righteous, God is very pleased with you. In contrast to having great revenues or great income through injustice. This is explained in verse 9. The heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. Now, what does that mean? That means that the heart of even a sinful man, he makes plans, he makes hopes. But a lot of times those hopes are dashed, even for Christians. And therefore, it is the Lord who establishes his steps in life. For, for example, uh, taking myself, I was real excited being at the seminary, and I thought it would be great to become a professor at the seminary. I took additional courses, got graduate degrees, but I was not called to the seminary, and God did not establish my plans. But instead, he got me into radio ministry. I was a pastor in a congregation and got a call from the seminary president indicating that a radio station had phoned him wondering if he had any professors who'd be willing to do a radio program. He thought about me and asked me, and now I've been doing it for over 25 years on four different radio stations. I've had radio programs. So I had planned one way to go into my life, but God established his way. Now that means that God has kept me secure in doing what he wanted to be established. And so the mind or heart of man, we plan a lot of things, have a lot of different hopes, but guess what? It's the Lord who establishes our steps and makes us secure. Now, beginning with verse 10, we start taking a look at the kings of the day. An oracle is on the lips of a king. His mouth does not sin in judgment. Now, what does that mean? It means the oracle is really God speaking through us, and that is on the lips of a king. Remember Solomon? God asked him what he wanted, and he didn't pray for great riches or great fame. He prayed for wisdom. And recall that time when two women each had a child, and one of the ch children died, but both women said the remaining child was theirs. So God, through Solomon, had to help people understand who was a true mother. Solomon said, I know what we'll do. We'll cut the child in half and give half to each of you. 
the one woman didn't see a problem with that, but the other woman said, no, 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 don't kill the child, give it to the other woman. And that showed Solomon who was the true mother, the mother who did not want her child died and even was willing to lose it to the other woman. Well, that's wisdom. And that's an example of how God's decisions, his oracles, were on the lips of a king. And the second part of verse 10, his mouth does not sin in judgment. In other words, a righteous king, he will not sin or betray injustice. A lot of kings did that in Israel. They began to worship other gods that their wives were worshiping, even built places holy to these other gods. Well, God is not mocked. As he said in a past verse of Proverbs, you will not go unpunished when you sin. And so therefore, the king sometimes is the one who brings punishment or negative consequences on people when they do not follow God's judgment. Verse 11, a just balance and scales are the Lord's. All the weights in the bag are his work. Now, that will not be understood by most Christians because you need to know the cultural background of that verse. One way in which they weighed on a balance the amount of crops is they would have a bag and there would be weights in the bag, normally stones. And those stones, they would know how much they weighed, of course. So they would put in sufficient stones to let's say weigh five pounds of wheat or whatever else was going to be on the balance. And therefore, all the weights in the bag would be the work of the Lord if this is a person with righteousness. So the farmer would get an accurate weight and scales are the Lord's. In fact, the verse says, adjust balance and scales are the Lord's. This is the only time in Proverbs that the term balance is used. You know, with a weight, you have a bag with stones on one side, then you start putting the amount of the crop on the other side, and it weighs it. Farmers still do that today. I really enjoy watching uh, television and seeing how farming is done. They have a machine and it goes through the cornfields and I don't know how it does it, but out of the top of the machine, the corn is spilled through a funnel into a big truck. And these trucks, and these are big 18 wheelers, get filled with corn very quickly. Then the truck is dry, driven to the place 
where people get money for their corn, whether it's used for meals or for gasoline, etc. And what happens is the bottom of the long truck opens and the corn falls through into a grate and that's how it is weighed. So you can well imagine that the balances need to be the Lord's balances and scales so the farmers get the proper money for what they are taking to be weighed. Verse 12, it is an abomination to kings to do evil, for the throne is established by righteousness. Now, that can sound confusing, but if you go to Romans 13, it says very clearly that kings and rulers are put into place by God. Now, we may elect them, and it doesn't mean that God's going to put a good king or ruler. Sometimes you get people elected who are quite evil, but that is because the people deserve that. That's why in, well, Israel, when many of the people were beginning to worship idols, their kings did not stop them from doing that. There were only a few kings that were righteous in God's sight and destroyed the idle places. But in this kind of situation, it is an abomination for kings seeing that evil is done. Now, this word abomination has been used in Proverbs, but it always refers to God. He has an abomination toward evil. But this is the first time that kings are said when they see evil that it is an abomination. In other words, you could translate verse 12, it is a disgusting thing to kings that evil is done because his throne is established by righteousness. And therefore, if he is a righteous king, just as God is disgusted by evil, so also will a king be disgusted. So what makes a king happy? Verse 13, righteous lips are the delight of a king, and he loves him who speaks what is right. Now, Solomon has been telling his son quite a bit in the book of Proverbs, that when you make plans, make sure you get advisors that are righteous so that the Holy Spirit can give you the proper wisdom to fulfill your commands. Just as Jesus had righteous lips and they were a delight to hear by God the Father, also, Kings love those who speak what is right because that way they don't have to bring negative consequences on people, punish them, put them in jail, give them fines, etc. So a proper king who is righteous loves those who speak what is right. 
Now, you can't elect someone who is like Jesus, that is to say, who is sinless. So everyone that is elected is a sinner. But what the church is interested in is not 90% of what happens in Congress. For example, what roads should be fixed or what taxes should be raised or lowered. There's nothing in the Bible where the church needs to take a stand on about 90% of decisions. But when the decisions deal with morality and when you have leaders in the country who have immoral views, then you really need to look and hopefully be able to elect those who are against abortion, who are against homosexual activity, who are against gay marriage, who are against euthanasia as a way of suicide, and many other things that are immoral. Now, it's not that the country is going to be destroyed by this immorality. It can happen that what we enjoy will be lost, but God will not let kings or countries go unpunished. So how does he do that? Verse 14, a king's wrath is a messenger of death and a wise man will appease it. So when a king gets angry, when a leader gets angry, well, there were kings who could put people to death immediately. Remember Herod? Because of his immoral marriage, his wife wanted the head of John the baptizer. And the king's wrath was a messenger of death. But a righteous king's wrath can also be a messenger of death, but it's done in a just way where the king will allow someone to die who perhaps committed murder, etc. And a wise man will appease the king. He will assuage what he does so he will not hear the king's wrath. Verse 15 continues, in the light of a king's face, there is life and his favor is like the clouds that bring the spring rain. Now in Palestine at the time of Jesus, the spring rain came in March and April. And so that's being compared to the light of a king's face. If he has a twinkle in his eye when he hears how you are behaving, then you will continue to live. You will not come under the judgment of the king. And his favor will be like clouds that bring the spring rain. Verse 16, and this kind of follows with verse 8. How much better to get wisdom than gold? And to get understanding is to be chosen rather than silver. What Solomon is saying through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit 
it's better to have wisdom than gold or understanding than silver. Wisdom comes from Jesus Christ, who is characterized as the wisdom of God. And therefore, it's far better to acquire wisdom than gold, because a lot of times gold will make you infatuated with the world's wealth rather than the wealth of the church. The final verse here, verse 17, the highway of the upright turns aside from evil. Whoever guards his way preserves his life. Now, the highway is referring to what is stated throughout the Bible about the different paths that one follows. The narrow path is following the words of Jesus Christ and believing his promises and acting thereupon. Whereas that's the highway of the upright, the highway of the righteous, and it turns aside from evil. That was the task of John the baptizer, to make a smooth highway, bringing down the mountains of pride and the valleys of depression and allowing a person to turn aside from evil. We know what evil is. Just read the commandments. And therefore, as you are more and more in faith and have become righteous in God's sight, then your highway, that's of the upright, turns aside from evil. And whoever guards his way preserves his life. Whoever can refer to both God and yourself, as you guard your way, you're preserving your life in contrast to those who have decided to live lives of immorality. They may lose their life eternally. That's something the church wants to stop from happening. And that's why the church teaches the law as did John the baptizer did in order to make you aware that you are a sinner and unable to get rid of your sins. Then you hear the gospel where God through Jesus Christ has gotten rid of your sins. Remember that's the words of John the baptizer. Behold the Lamb of God who has come to take away the sins of the world. And those sins are taken away as Jesus takes him to the cross and suffers the punishment of God's wrath so that we who believe in Jesus Christ and his promises will never suffer God's wrath. And that's for an eternity where we will live with Jesus forever and ever. That's the good news of the gospel. And so in this section, we have God's wisdom as to who are righteous kings and why they sometimes are a messenger of death righteously, but also there is life through obeying what a king orders in light 
of Jesus Christ. So, on tomorrow's Law and Gospel, we'll be taking a look at another subject about, well, we'll find out, won't we? Join us tomorrow when, with Wes Reimnitz, I, Tom Baker, will be discussing a subject dealing with the world from a law and gospel point of view. We look forward to being with you, and we look forward to you listening to us. And please listen to the end here, where it tells you how you are able to send us a check to continue our ministry as we are doing it. I'm Tom Baker. Thanks so much for listening, and may God bless you. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your checkout to Law & Gospel and mail to Law & Gospel P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri 63132 or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.